back to Slice of Life. It is me, your host, Zach Vaughn. Joining me today is Jerry Homedy. He is the editor-in-chief for a Chicago-based comedy magazine called The Comedy Gazelle. Uh, first things first, man, thanks for having me in your home. Yeah, dude, thanks for being here. Thanks for driving up. Editor, editor-in-chief, That's I like that. I've, I've never even considered uh, that I have a title. I think that's like... the formal title, yeah, technically. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, we're strangers on the internet, and I'm inside his home now. So, <laughs> which, uh, cool neighborhood. I liked it driving here. I think um, there's almost a direct correlation in between the quality of where you live and the number of white people carrying yoga mats around. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of that there, so good for you, man. Yeah, there's a gym right down the road, so every every uh, Saturday morning you can catch all the yoga hotties going to yeah. work out, work <laughs> off their sins, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That whole yoga studio just smells like well liquor and <laughs> yeah, it's just like gross. regret and shame, yeah. as they should. So I wanted to have you on because I think that what you're creating with the Comedy Gazelle is really dope, man. Uh, I, I love the aesthetic of it. I love the question and answer format. You ask really good questions. You have a lot of interesting com- comics on. And I think that it is almost like an invaluable tool, some of the the wisdom that gets passed down on there, uh, for if somebody kind of wanted some sort of textbook for for some of the pitfalls starting off. Uh, I think that stuff's important. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. Um, I'm hoping that I, I really started it to help a lot of like newer comics because I was new myself. And I remember like reaching out for people, reaching out to people, like trying to get basic advice and some, it's like really hard to like do that sometimes just approach somebody that you don't know or really look up to and be like, Hey, can you like tell me all this shit? They're like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. So I thought if I could like get this going, it would be a way for other people to like meet some of these people and, and, uh, uh, get inside their brains and, and learn things that, uh, they want to, you know, learn from them and couldn't ask themselves. So that was kind of, uh, the idea there. Yeah. It's particular, like particularly awkward, uh, asking comics advice starting off because everyone does it. Yeah. But you're asking people that are really good within your own scene. Uh, it's not like you're asking, established comedians necessarily well, yeah and that's the other thing though is that you get i mean when you're asking people within your scene for advice like you get known like people will always just kind of like look down on you a yeah. little bit like you'll always be seen as that like newer comic yeah so i'm kind of taking the bullet <laughs> like it just i don't know it it it, it kind of it kind of sucks, but uh, I don't know. You just you have to do it. I, f- I feel like you have to ask questions to learn and whatnot. But. Yeah, and I mean, it's peculiar for someone that's, you know, like a glorified open micer to be asked questions from an even newer comic. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, I work at 7-Eleven, buddy. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> what are you, like, what are you coming to me for? Um, I feel the same way. Anytime that I get asked advice, it's like, they're there are more invaluable resources out there than, yeah, than it's, me. It's like, I, dude, I promise. What the fuck do I know? Well, that's the thing that I've noticed is that 
a lot of these comics were really, really good, like some of the best in Chicago. Even they feel a little weird about giving advice. Um, and a lot of times they'll, like, qualify a lot of statements or be like, I don't know anything, but, you know. Um, but I'm like, dude, just relax. It's fine. Like, you're, you know a lot more than people that are just starting. And obviously there are people that have been doing it for, like, 20, 30 years that know a lot more than you, but... Like, you can help those younger people. Like, you don't have to be a, like, expert, expert in order to, you know, help help someone that's just starting. So Yeah, it's easy to be humble uh, to the point of almost being disparaging in comedy <laughs> because the bar is set so incredibly high. So even if you're an absolute murderer, it's like, I think it's easy to get in that mindset where it's like, I don't have anything to offer, you know? Look at, yeah. look at what this guy's doing. Um, well, I think that's especially true in Chicago because people here are, I feel like they're really good, but you don't get as much of an ego as you would in like New York or LA. I yeah. Feel like, um, I feel like some people here even underestimate how good they really are. And that's something that everyone in the scene says. It's like, dude, like hit the road, go, you know, to indiana or wherever and you'll realize that your jokes are hitting way harder because of the crowds in chicago are so difficult and the audience is like so diverse it's really hard to like get a chicago crowd really laughing and if you can then like your jokes will work anywhere yeah and it's it's almost easy to become spoiled when you're seeing good acts go up regularly <laughs> yeah. it it for like forums like open mics yeah. As an audience member, it has to be really easy to be like, I, you know, I fucking watched Hannibal Burris do this shit. You yeah, know, <laughs> the, the crowds aren't aren't uh, aren't easy. They'll uh, they'll make it difficult on you for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into like specific venues and stuff, but there's certain places where it's like really hard to do well, but it's like a good challenge. And then if you do well in that room, like you feel great and you're like, Oh, okay. This got something. And, um, I mean, I even just down the road, there's like an open mic Harrigan's. That's like my favorite open mic. It's this like Irish bar and the room is just dead. But if you go up and like, say anything and it gets a laugh it's like oh okay there's really something there um and i feel like in chicago you get that a lot not just at mics but like shows and stuff like if it gets a pop it's like oh okay there's really something there i gotta figure this out um because they will not laugh if it's if it's a shitty joke so do you feel like it's easier to take chances here with the frequency of mics that you have available for instance like oh yeah if i have a shitty set in dubuque you know i have to wait another week to redeem myself or another yeah. week to polish out my material in front Dude. of that audience so it's like it, it gets harder to take those big swings because you're like they're big misses you just have to sit with that for days dude that yeah that um that's got to be so hard. I've never had that because I, I mean, I did a little bit of comedy in Boston when I was in college and then I moved here to like really get after it. So I've been spoiled by having like tons of opportunities. And that's the best thing about Chicago is that you can just like constantly get up tons of st stage time and just fail constantly. Um, and it makes you so much better. And I like, I, that's interesting. Cause I think about 
people in smaller scenes were like, you might not want to take as big of risks because if you bomb, then you're thinking about that for like a whole week or, you know, uh, just working out a difficult joke like takes forever. Yeah. But, um, here you can just get up constantly and it's like, Oh, I shat the bed, whatever. I'm doing three more mics tonight. Who cares? I'm working on this idea. And it's more about the process of like building out a joke as opposed to like, you know, I need to do well on this one thing because this is my only opportunity for the week. Like that's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I, um, I think comedy is largely rep based. You know, I think that the more at bats that you have with doing a performance, the tighter that performance is going to be. So when you're in these scenes that you can only hit two, three spots a week, what you end up doing is kind of developing a different repertoire of skills to be able to kind of accommodate that. Mm -hmm. I think it forces you to be a little bit more introspective. Uh, it forces you to examine the audiences in a much more critical way. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can refine those tools, you're still at a disadvantage for people that are getting those reps and you're definitely at a disadvantage to people that are getting those reps with those same tools. Um, but it, it does kind of force you to develop something that, that maybe somebody would overlook in, in scenes where they have more opportunity. Yeah. I think, I think the reality is that if you only have like one opportunity on stage a week or whatever it is, you're going to get more out of that opportunity and like really value it. And I guess, probably like prepare more and challenge yourself. I know like when, uh, when Louie was married and like was having his kids or whatnot, he, he like told this story about how he could only do comedy like a couple times a week. So he'd like really challenge himself and like set all these crazy goals for himself so that he was getting the most out of his stage time. So I feel like if you're in a smaller scene like that, that's what you have to do. And in Chicago, there's just so many opportunities to get on stage. Your people aren't really, I guess, writing as much as they could. I'm like, I guess my speaking for myself, like I'm like, Oh, like I want to work this out, work this out, work this out. And then I'm not always like listening to my sets because I'm doing so many mics that yeah. it just gets lost. But like, if you're, um, you know, if you have doing one set a week, like you really sit down, figure this out and just, you know, learn from it. So, what sucks about it is at a certain point you kind of figure out the joke format that's going to work. So I'll write, I'll write constantly, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm in those kind of flow states and I'll write a lot of material that I enjoy, but I can always kind of pick out the material that's actually going to work. So those jokes that I enjoy, they just end up buried at the bottom of a notepad somewhere. They never get told. Whereas if I had the opportunity to to hit more reps with my stand-up, those jokes would probably be thrown in. And eventually they would probably, you know, get me something. Not right. all of them, but definitely a percentage of them. Right. Um, yeah, man, you, you do. You have to be more critical with your writing. Um you did an interview with damn man was it mike myers maybe yeah 
Maybe. I'm trying to think of where the quote came from because uh, you post a lot of those comedy gazelle quotes. Let me know. I, I, I probably know it. I got a good memory for the quotes. But it, the quote was all about self-awareness and how essential self-awareness is to a comic. Oh, that might have been Eric Emerson. Um, and I, I I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, that's so huge. He's like, you might want to be this guy. But at a certain point, you have to acknowledge that this is who you are as mm. a comic. And the sooner that you can acknowledge that, the better off you're going to be for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was Eric. He was talking about um, uh, how everybody like sees themselves a certain way. And it's like, oh, I want to be the comedian that slams heckler or whatever. Oh, I want to be like the dark joke guy. But like you, I mean, we were talking about earlier, like... Um, you mentioned Jesselneck and that's kind of how I started too. Like I sounded a little bit like him and I, I wanted to be like the fucked up, like dark joke guy. And I mean, I kind of still am a tiny bit, but it's just, it's completely different. And you, you start realizing like, Oh, I am like a straight white dude. Maybe I shouldn't be saying like all the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a really good quote. Um, I think about that a lot and it's like, well, uh, how do I be even more self-aware? Like how I'm always in my head about like, how am I being perceived? And sometimes you think, you know, and then sometimes you're like, I have no fucking idea. So it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. And I've always been, I've always been hyper aware with how I'm being perceived at like any given moment, which is, um, probably more of a nightmare than it is a benefit. Um, but it does translate on stage and uh, the difficulty with that becomes how do you remain present when you're, when you're anxious about how your material might be getting perceived, you know, how, because like when I started off doing stand up, you want to talk about a desert of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I was traveling for work three weeks out of the month. So I would have a full week off. And so during that full week off, I would hit as many mics as I could. And it was also in the middle of the pandemic at the start of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I would drive four to five hours to do like a five minute open mic in Des Moines or like, or three to four hours to do an open mic in Iowa city at like the bottom of the Iowa city yacht club at the time. I respect the dedication, man. Uh, it was just all, it was, I mean, I had all this free time and it was something I wanted to do. I love comedy. I wouldn't do that shit, (laughs) (laughs) but I would, um, I would write, a new five minute set every time I would go up because I felt like you had to, <laughs> and they were all garbage. Like it wasn't like a lot of good material came out of it, but I'm like, this is what I have to do to be a better comic. And so I would write these sets and I'd be such a geek about it that I would, I would write like audience cues in the set, man. It was, <laughs> it was, it was imbe- like, in hindsight, which is always, you know, 2020. Wink at audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back, it's like, oh, man, this is so cringy. But at the time, I'm like, this is how it's done. Yeah, and I, I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but w- what that does, if you're doing something that's just so performative, so polished, so written, here's where my pauses are, mm-hmm. here's how I'm delivering this joke, 
is it ruins your ability to be present in that moment with an audience. I mean, I guess uh, I think to an extent, but like you look at somebody like Carlin and all their movements are so just like on point and and even like Chris Rock, it's like, oh, this is this is like a whole performance. Yeah, I think it depends on the style of comedy you're going for. Like some people want to be really loose and conversational. Some people are like, you're watching me and I'm presenting to you. Yeah. So I think it I think it depends on what uh, what you're going for. Yeah, no, that's a good observation. I would I would agree with that. For me, I found the looser that I can be moving forward, kind of as I progress, the better that seems to to be. I think the audience really picks up on that sort of energy. Mm-hmm. I don't think everybody. I mean, Chris Rock and Carlin had the benefit of performing in front of audiences that knew they were seeing Chris Rock and Carlin. I think a lot of people want that sort of, I think we really romanticize what comics are. Uh, And I think that a lot of people have this idea in their mind that a comic should exist as this sort of witty, you know, mess of a human being that's telling jokes in like a smoky pool hall somewhere. They don't want to see the guy that, is is incredibly polished they want it to kind of be uh almost countercultural to some degree and we've lost i think a little bit of that and i think that the bigger that comedy becomes the more opportunities there are for for people to perform their sets in a whole variety of ways and find people that really vibe with that but uh i do i think that people really value that that looseness that off the cuff yeah, I think now it's becoming really popular, especially with all these people posting their shitty crowd work clips on Instagram, <laughs> you know, then the audience is like, oh, this is what this is. Like, I'm part of the show. And then they just like get that expectation. And then, you know, audiences now are definitely more like vocal than they've ever been. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many different styles. Some people still want to just sit there and watch like a great performance. There's going to be a market for everything and then if if your style is like oh i want to be a road dog and do these like bars and just fuck around with people and say whatever the hell like there's people make a living doing that there's a lot of different uh like paths and comedy and styles and types of audiences and shit do you like people interacting with you during your set no i hate it i'm very i'm very much like a performance person i'm well not not like I'm not like super physical or anything on stage in in that regard, but like I've worked on these jokes, like I have an act, and like don't throw me off and fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, ruin the entire rhythm of it. It yeah. sucks when you're doing a comedy in front of an audience full of people that think they're stand up comics. Yeah, it's it's annoying. I mean, I try to be like a little looser with my set so it sounds more conversational, but like I don't I don't do crowd work. Um, I'm a terrible host. <laughs> I like it, that's something I have to get better at is just uh learning how to like interact with the audience better, like mess with them and uh just, you know, how to host a show. I'm still kind of working on that. I'm more I'm more of like a, a a joke writer right now. A hack that I developed um probably after like my first year of doing stand up, a trend that I started noticing is 
I had a set planned out for the evening. I might go up and deliver that set. If I can make an observation about something that occurred that night, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it was something another comic said, maybe it was something another comic did, maybe it's an audience member, and I can just make a quick, punchy, little, s- super recent observation. Yeah, bring people into the... It brings people in, and it seems like my entire set is going to benefit from that like it's going to ca- kind of carry over throughout the duration of the rest of the material I do. People mm-hmm. are going to be more apt to listen to me because I have a really dry, you know, delivery that kind of forces an amount of attention from it. So if there's a way that I can earn that attention from the audience, let them know that like my brain's firing, you know, that I, I can make an observation, make yeah. a joke about it. It seems like they respect the rest of the set more because of that. Definitely. Um, just, yeah, acknowledging that if you just get up there and start talking at people and never bring them in, it's hard to win them over unless you have, like, really, really good jokes that's yeah. worth listening to. But, that, I mean, that's something that people talk about in a lot of um, the interviews I've done and that I, I continue asking about is is improv. Because, really, that's, like, an improv muscle just, like... Uh, like calling back to things that are happening in the moment and like being loose and all that. And there's like a big improv scene in Chicago, obviously. So um, some people that are like my favorite comics, they were like, Oh yeah. Like I went through second city. I was like, what? Like you, you did second city. I had no idea. Like you wouldn't realize it, but then you see them and um, like they're doing crowd work and stuff and you're like, Oh, that's the improv skill at work in stand up. Like that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's just a muscle that has to be exercised some way, you know, maybe not everyone needs an improv class to do it, but I I I think, (laughs) I think that, I think that you definitely need something that kind of spurs creativity. You know, if I reach points in my life where, life itself feels incredibly monotonous. I can feel the effect on it in terms of my ability to create good material. Mm -hmm. You have to like put yourself in those situations. Uh, so yeah, I admire people that do improv classes. It's not for me. I can definitely see how it'd be beneficial if you can take that and translate to stand up. Right. The issue is so many people just can't or don't. Yeah, I mean, you can also just get better at stand up and crowd work and stuff by just doing stand up more. But I don't know. I was thinking of, I was thinking of, t- I was talking to a few friends about like comic friends that have done um, improv and whatnot, and I think it's just like a different way. It's just like a way to put me in like a different uh, headspace, yeah, and then maybe carry some of that over to stand up. So I, I was really thinking about trying to get. Uh, giving it a go, but I'm not, I'm never going to be like an improvise. Like, I don't give a shit about improv. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's just, it might just be like a, a fun little thing to learn, you know? Do you have any sort of process that kind of spurs creativity in you now? Is there anything that you kind of do that you feel like benefits your sets? Um, let's see. Um, I don't know. I mean, my process is a lot of just, um, like, do you get inspired watching stand up, or do you get oh, inspired? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, let's see. I think the most inspired I was was when I saw Louie at Zany's. Um, 
So he's one of my favorite comics. Um, and I don't, yeah, he did a bunch of, I'm, I'm not, I'm talking specifically about his standup, but, uh, I saw him at Zany's and this was, when was this last year? Um, and I'd never seen anyone just destroy harder. It was because you see like Chicago headliners in that room and they're killing. Yeah. And then you see one of the best ever in that room. And it's I don't know if you've ever been to Zany's, but it's like an old school club, like low ceilings, like packed a bunch of people in and just destroyed. And this was early on in his um, uh, when he was running this material. So it wasn't even like, oh, I'm filming the special next week or whatever. He was still working this stuff out, and it was like the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So it was was insane. And then, um, (laughs) this is kind of nerdy, but I had a Louis poster. So I was like standing outside of the club with like a pen. Like a little kid, I'm like, I'm like, and he comes out and he's like, "Yeah, I'll sign that for you." And uh, he was very nice. He like signed it, um, and I'm like standing there, like a five year old. Like I felt like I got like a baseball player's autograph, and I was like, "This is like such a cool fucking feeling," that, like, the fact that he made like a grown adult feel like a little kid, I'm like, oh, that'd be really cool to like do for somebody someday. Like if I was that, if I was that good, yeah, uh, which I will never be, but, (laughs) uh, it was just, it was just like really interesting and motivating. And then I sat down and like wrote a bunch of stuff when I got home and just like that whole week was like really getting after it. And then, you know, of course you fall back to your habits of being a lazy dirtbag, but (laughs) it was, it was really cool, man. Uh, that was that was super inspiring and um i don't know just seeing these shows in chicago too like you see some of these comics that are so fucking good and then you see them finally get an opportunity or a big break um and you're like hey like that could be me you never know who's in the in the room and one random bar show you all of a sudden you have an agent all of a sudden you know you're you're on tour with X, Y, Z. So it's, it's just, yeah, it makes it really cool. Like celebrating other people's successes. It's, it's like, Oh, this is, this could happen to me. This is cool. Like it's motivating. I think sometimes people, when someone gets an opportunity, they're like, Oh, well, why isn't that me? Well, it's like, dude, like that should be inspiring to you. That's, that's a good thing. That means you can get an opportunity. Yeah. I think so often within comedy, the idea of all of the factors that have to come together to make it seem so futile and impossible that when you watch it happen, it does, it kind of shrinks the world a little bit and you're like, Oh, like this can't, this can be something that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. People that are weird about other people seeing success in anything they're doing, uh, fuck them. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, welcome to Chicago comedy. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> People look at success like it's some sort of finite resource, and it's just not. Like, there's enough of it for anyone, just, you know. Right. I don't, I think it's, that's so annoying to me when people get upset about other people getting opportunities and stuff like that. It's like, dude, just, maybe it's not your turn, but it will be. Just keep working, shut up. Like, it'll come. Stop being. 
It's, yeah, it just pisses me off. Yeah, and if you exist within these scenes that success is churning out of, you're, there is 100% going to be the moment where a comic that you thought was hacky that didn't deserve an opportunity gets one ahead of you. Right. That's just part of it, man. Like Also, also in con- everybody talks about this too, but like um, a lot of your opportunities, the majority of them actually come from other comics. Yeah. So like if somebody else has a big win, like, dude, be happy for them. Like that could be a big win for you too. Like, you know. Yeah. Shout out, shout out James Draper. He gave me my first opportunity to do, to do a feature set when I maybe had eight minutes of material and he's like, can you do 12? I'm like, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) And it actually, it actually went well uh, by some collection of luck. Yeah. Those are the people that are going to give you opportunities. These comics that you look up to and admire these comics, that are seeing success. The people that you're interacting with, like you want them to do well, man. Like I understand why people are so, why it's so hard for people to give credit in those aspects. I mean, I, I do get it. I, I, I understand it. But... I mean, you should, you should live a life in the day of a Chicago comedian. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like really good, uh, like camaraderie here, but there's, it's just also so competitive and there's a lot of like dumb beefs, a lot of, you know, it's, I think the drama keeps it interesting for some people. I don't know. Um, but I mean, there's in Chicago, there's so many comics, you get so many different types of people. And yeah, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. The scene can be very interesting. If you're, are you in like the Facebook groups? You should join those. There's a lot of good shit in there. Yeah, I will. I will now. <laughs> um, I think every, every scene, even scenes that are complete, completely minuscule have that, those microcosms of weird sort of beefs and stuff. Yeah, if I had more time, I'd do like a, a, a like a gossip section of the Comedy Gazelle. I think that would be so funny, <laughs> uh, just and just keep tabs on like dumb open mic beefs. Like that's so funny to me. But I did, I just uh, I only have so much time, you know, not a not a whole lot of help. So how long have you been in stand up? Let's let's go through the history that led to to this moment. Oh God, um, let's see, I. I did it a little bit in college, but I wouldn't say I, I like. I, yeah, I, I started in Boston when I was in school, um, and I probably did like one mic every few months, like my junior or senior year or something. So not, I didn't take it super seriously. I got up and would bomb my dick off. And I was like, why don't these people like me? Like, I just didn't get it yeah. at all. Like, I made every single shitty open mic mistake you can make. <laughs> like, was the unlike most unlikable person ever. I was just so bad. Um, and then I really enjoyed it, though, even though I was terrible. And uh, then I moved to Chicago in the fall of 2019 uh, to, to take it more seriously. Uh, I got a job at laugh factory doing like door host sound. Uh, I got fired. (laughs) That's a different story. Uh, and then I started working at like comedy bar. I was just like trying to get involved in the scene and like meet people. 
And then I was doing like a little bit of stand up on the side. Um, and it was going pretty well. And then, uh, 2020 pandemic, um, the only place I could really perform a little bit at was the comedy bar. Shout out to them. Uh, they had like an outdoor space. So I was doing a little bit there and then, um, yeah, just things opening and closing like a little bit here and there. And then the past, um, like couple years have been super intensive. So I say I've, I've been at it about like three years, but it's really hard to say with, um, you know, all the stopping and starting and stuff, but I, 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 I say about three, um, and still feel like I'm getting better all the time. And it's, I don't know, it's a process. It's fun. Yeah. I think you speak to a lot of comics that have started in the last like five years. And it is a question that's hard to quantify because they're like, well, the pandemic, you know, it's kind of, everyone's kind of like, I don't know how I'm supposed to count yeah, that yeah, time. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, not, not zoom. I didn't do any zoom. Cause I know I was new enough that I was like, if I get used to performing zoom comedy, then that's really going to affect my like development. And then you saw that when, when things started opening back up and the people that had started on zoom, I remember I was at this mic and this guy was just eating it. And we're all thinking like, this guy think he's on zoom. And then he goes, yeah, this was a lot easier on zoom. And then we all just like burst out laughing. We're like, yeah, no shit. Cause yeah. that's not real comedy. I just heard so many comics shit on zoom mics that I'm like, I'm never, I'm never doing that. <laughs> you know, I would just would have felt too embarrassed, but well, I think, I think it maybe served like a bit of a purpose where, you know, you're still, perf- I think it helped people that already were established in standup. Where they're like, oh, I'm just working on an idea, seeing if this gets anything, but it's not, like, impacting their, like, development, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it works probably the same way that, like, a writer's workshop works, you know? You aren't really, I mean, technically you're performing your material, but at least you're writing something, you know? Yeah. But. (laughs) Uh, Dude, it's, I fuck, three. It's it's funny, looking back at, like, uh, my first open mic, it was so, it was so bad. Um, but I remember one of the jokes that I told that like bombed is now my opener. So it's crazy that like, sometimes you have the right joke and you just weren't good enough to like deliver it properly. Um, and then everyone always talks about like never throw anything out or like this and that. But I think that that to me is crazy. And that's that, uh, something's still useful years later and it's like oh now i know how to tell this i think about going back through my old stuff and uh and seeing if i could like recycle any sort of material out of it all the time uh and i always get to it and start looking at it i'm just like nah I'm (laughs) i'm not doing this i uh my first set ever i did uh i did five minutes on uh, cream pies, I think a full five minute set. Hell yeah! I thought it was so clever. I'm like, man, I bet nobody's done material like this before. I was convinced. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the other thing, dude. Like in in Chicago, uh, like you you get people that are doing comedy so often, and people that are seeing shows so often that um, 
these basic premises and stuff that people come up with. It's like, oh, I've heard this. Or, like, you can predict punchlines and shit like that. So you really get a better sense of, um, like, what's been done before in a bigger city. And I feel like when you're out uh, in, like, Iowa or whatever, and it's, you know, there's 10 people perform. I don't know how big the scene is, but, you know. It's like, oh, I haven't heard this before because I haven't seen a lot of comedy at all. Yeah. But then here, you know, you can't, you can't get away with anything that isn't unique, really, in my opinion. But, yeah, I nothing. There's not a lower feeling in the world than getting ready to go up and open mic and waiting for your spot on the list. And then watching somebody go up there and essentially do your set. Like do with your, your cream pie bit. Yeah, and you're just like, well. Uh. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck, man. Not the cream pie bit. And, uh, yeah, going back to how geeky I was, like, starting off, I uh, I would write those sets. I would rehearse them to myself. And then I would find some poor, unfortunate soul in my life and be like, hey, can I, like, deliver this in front of you like I'm... Yeah. doing like a fourth grade rendition of the giving tree for like a speech class. Uh, and they'd be like, yeah, I did that cream pie bit. I invited my girlfriend at the time over. I, uh, I did a bunch of mushrooms and then I went, let me tell you about cream. pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. And then I think I forced her to watch stand up for like two hours. I watched, uh, and oh. you're no longer together or, it, I mean, it went fine. We, I mean, oh, we okay. stayed together after. Did she, we are, like, did she like it? Did she think it was funny? I think that she was geeked enough about me that like she would have tolerated okay. anything. Nice. But in hindsight, it's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I put you through that. I wish that, <laughs> yeah, that's I wish that I was more self-aware. That rules. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish, I don't know. I wish I had done more of that like practice performance stuff. I feel like. When I was first starting, I just went up and would say, "Any dude, it was wild." Uh, yeah, that's those are good times. It's yeah. so fun, man. It's, you see a lot of people like start off trying to lean into being as shocking as they can be. I don't know why people have that idea in mind starting with comedy, where it's like the goal is to be as subversive as possible. Yeah, uh, well, I think it's because you feel like you can say anything, and you're like just in your head it's funny and this is something i've gotten better at is like it's like yeah it's shocking but like why what's why do i feel the need to say this or like what's interesting or important about this i feel like that that's helped me a little bit i i say like the crazy even now i still say like crazy shit on stage um it's but i feel like i feel like if you can figure out like a wild joke that it's super rewarding yeah. um, getting people to laugh at something that they either like don't want to or shouldn't, but like you have a point or like, you know, there's something there, but you can't just get up and just say dumb shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'll still say pretty wild shit on stage. I'll still go to pretty dark places. I don't, I'm not a shock comic by any means. I don't intentionally pursue that, but I do want to make the jokes I want to make on there. But uh, there have definitely been times where I've been writing material that would be so hard to turn into it like a, a quality joke mm -hmm. that I have to be like, I'm not 
good enough for this yet. And well, just, <laughs> no, for sure. But and especially in one of those areas um, where you're hardly getting any stage time. Like I, I had this one joke about my friend who was um, the goalie for the Paralympic soccer team. But like his his disability is that he was like deaf in one ear. I think I saw that on uh, yeah your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> probably the only clip I have out there. I don't really share a lot of shit, but that's like true. And it took forever to figure out, like literally months, and it kept bombing. And I tried all these new angles, and then it got really long, and then I had to like cut it down. Um, but that, that was one of the things where I was like, oh, this is getting big pops. Like, I know there's something here. Like, I, I'm figuring this out. And it took way longer than it should have. Uh, but it, it was really rewarding when I, like, figured it out. And then, like, um, I did the Fresh Faces show at Laugh Factory. And I told it there. And it did really well. And I was like, okay, this is this was like worth the effort, but I could have never done that in a smaller scene because you just, you can't work it out enough. There's so many little tiny details that you can just lose an audience, like lose them like that. So you, you really need to figure out all the little, um, like beats of difficult jokes like that. And I feel like people think they can just get up and say like, fucking, it's like, no dude, you gotta, it takes a long time to figure out difficult. Shit. I'm trying to think about how I want to say this. Um, I think I'm starting that, to sound like an asshole. Oh, <laughs> I'm no, no, noticing no, no. that. Dude, you're fine. <laughs> Speak freely on here. Uh, I, uh, I think that it's a real skill to be able to take specific true events and make them punchy enough to be a joke. I think it's way easier to take a sort of vague concept that maybe happened in your life and, you know, exaggerate it or lie a little bit or fib and then make that a joke that you're essentially manifesting out of maybe Mm -hmm. a thought you had that a real event inspired. But I think just being like, this is something that literally happened. You see that all the time with comics starting off. They're like, I have this funny story that I tell my friends and my friends love it and they get on stage and they're like, listen to this hilarious thing that happened to me. And people are like, yeah, that's an amusing story, man. That's not a fucking joke. There, there's yeah. no punchline. So it is hard to make like this literally happened, but I'm also going to make it a banger. Yeah. That's, that's definitely the, I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of like first time comics make. They're like, oh, I'm funny for my friends. Like, I just need to say this, but they don't realize that it's literally a completely different ball game. You need you need punchlines. You can't just say something that's funny or like joke ish. Like, m- maybe if you have a really really nice crowd, they'll listen and like give you whatever. But you're not gonna go anywhere without punchlines. That's you, yeah, you what see you people need. just completely confused. They're like, I don't understand why this is happening. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because it's not a joke, man. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need a you need a punchy cream pie bit. That's what you need. Yeah. Was that just a story or was that like a It wasn't a story. It it was a joke. Uh and the, I did have Okay, we don't need to talk about punch, the cream pun- pie bit. <laughs> punchlines <laughs> technically, but uh yeah, dude, I but I, I remember doing it, and I remember being like, I love comedy. 
it could have been worse. I've seen people deliver worse sets, but oh, yeah. I'm, I'm never, I, I wanted to tell long form stories that were jokes so bad early on. That's so hard that I would just, I, an entire set would just be a story with some punchlines through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why isn't this working? Like, why, what am I missing here? And I figured out for me what works the best if I'm doing five minutes is if I put together four or five longer form jokes, but hit four or five big punchlines. Mm-hmm. So I'm still getting my stories in, but I mean, economy of words is so important. Like there's so much stuff that you can scrap with your material that people think they have to put right, in there. Right. Especially stories. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you don't, you don't need all of that. Just trim the fat on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll hit way harder, but people, sometimes the story should just be a one liner, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. People fall in love with their material. That's the issue. Yeah. And you were talking about Louie and that was like the thought that I had. That dude has an aggressive way of scrapping material and just not giving a fuck about trying new material. Um, he just doesn't care, you know, he'll, he'll deliver his special and I'll just be like, I'm going all, I'll eat shit. Like I'm a nobody comic for as long as I have to with mm-hmm. this material. And then that's just, why he's good. And, he just, has a and just work his dick off. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think what, I mean, what was that thing with like Chris Rock? What was it? Talking funny that he did with like Chris Rock and Seinfeld. I don't that like it was like some round table thing, but he was yeah, he was talking a lot about all the like obstacles that he sets for himself and stuff like that. And I think that's just why he's so good. But a lot of comics, they like figure out a joke that works and then they just stick in their set forever because it's comfortable. Yeah, it feels constantly he's finding new ways to challenge himself and make himself uncomfortable so that he gets these like incredible jokes that you know yeah it feels it feels good i'm working on you know a new five now and it sucks man it's not fun you know going up every night knowing that you have material in your inventory that could do well Mm -hmm. they could they could trigger a response from the audience you could walk out of there with your head hung high and be like yeah, that's why I love comedy. It sucks knowing that's there and being like, I'm not going to touch it. Yeah, it <laughs> it sucks, man. I I know that feeling and that's um that's that's something I've I've been working on too is uh so it's interesting cuz there's a lot of people say that when you do an open mic, you should like tell a joke up top that you know that works so you get people's attention and then like sandwich in some yeah, new stuff and like sandwich or something. yeah shit like that and that i feel like that's how you have a better set yeah but i like just going up and doing all new shit um because yeah i might eat it but at least i'm trying i'm using all this time to try out all the new stuff instead of telling jokes that i know work and then i get sick of those jokes quicker because i'm telling them all the time and then uh, if I'm doing all this new stuff and my set is I mean, essentially tank, tanking my own set. Yeah. But like if I still get laughs in there while I'm eating shit, that's like 
that's a sign that that's worth pursuing. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to be better about like telling myself it's 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 a long term thing. Like even if you're doing also it's just a mic like doesn't matter batting but, practice. Yeah. 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 I used to. I used to do the same thing. I used to um, like insert material I liked, you know, and then pepper in some of the new stuff that I was working on. But I've definitely adopted more of what you were saying lately where it does. It feels it feels good taking a risk entirely. It feels good kind of not having that safety net and being like it, it just feels like it's testing you in a different way. You feel like you really have to earn something. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think, um, I think it just makes you like think on your feet a little bit more, and that's like a skill I'm trying to develop. And it's like, well, I have these jokes, I know that work. Like, I just need to get more comfortable at at like eating it, like and and being in silence and like working my way out of some of those situations. So, I also think you're way less likely to give the newer stuff the attention and work that it deserves when you had a decent set because you incorporated some stuff that was already working. Mm -hmm. I think that delivering a set where everything's new, everything was a risk, nothing's great yet really forces you to refine those jokes in a way you wouldn't if the set was middling. Right. Um, But again, I feel like that's the benefit of being in Chicago is that you can you can like really do that. Whereas if you're in a smaller scene, maybe that open mic is like the audition for the one show in town. You know, it's yeah. so, it's so different. Uh, but in Chicago, like you can truly just fail over and over and over again and nobody gives a shit. And then, you know, you could be the worst person at the mic and then the next day, the best person on the show. And everyone's like, wait, what the fuck? You yeah. Know, it doesn't. Yeah. There was a brief moment of time when I moved to Davenport where it was actually like a, a viable scene. Hmm. Um, I had been doing the champagne mics when I was in Bloomington uh, that CU Comedy puts on, and uh, they put those mics together really well, normally three times, three spots a week at the time. Um, and so when I moved to Davenport, I'm like, well, I guess I'm done with stand-up. I guess this is it for me. Hmm. And uh, there were a few mics that existed in town, and I would hit those up, and it seemed like really shortly after that, they would be like packed mics, you know, and there'd be, you know, 15, 20 comics and a room full of audience. And it's like this, it doesn't feel like we deserve this, you know, yeah. and it was cool. And you had it like, and there were opportunities and it's kind of fallen out of that lately, which is a real bummer, but opportunities still exist. You just have to hustle for them. You can also just start your own shit, you know, start, start a show, you know, talk to a, uh, some bar or whatever, you know, you can, have you ever considered that? Uh, yeah. So we, we actually had a comedy gazelle show running for several months this year. Uh, we were doing it over at dovetail brewery. Um, and it was super successful. It was a really good time, but, uh, we just, um, they didn't want to give us any money, unfortunately. And, we were bringing in a decent amount of money for them and it just like didn't feel fair and you need you need like a true partner on a um uh you know if you're running a show yeah and we didn't really have that so we stopped 
uh, with the show, but it was like a good experience. Um, and it went like learned a lot and, um, it was cool getting to have some of the people I interviewed like on the show and then hand out, um, uh, I like printed out some flyers or whatever from the covers and was like, Oh, like scan this QR code and you can read about your headliners. It was, it was kind of cool. Um, it was a, it was a fun experience and we might get back into that eventually, but I just, I have so much going on, uh, producing on top of everything else is just a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, man. Uh, it sucks how limited of a resource that time is. It's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, and then I like waste so much. I'm like, oh, I'll play some Halo or whatever. It's like, nah, dude. Oh yeah, I dude. I, I feel the same way. Any Saturday that I spend where it's like wasted, like those days where you had like a shitty week and you're on your couch until like fucking 3 p.m. not mm-hmm. doing anything. Yeah. And then you have that epiphany where it's like, this whole day is just gone. It's like, me. wait, I could have been I... writing or like doing something this whole time. I could have been handing out flyers for my magazine. I could have like, there's so many better ways to use your time. And I'm, I'm still, I still really struggle with that. But So let me ask you something that you can speak on length about that I know would be interesting and beneficial to a lot of the people that listen to this podcast. And let's talk about the Chicago comedy scene. Um, what do you like about it? If somebody were interested in traveling to the scene and trying to do spots, do you have mics that you really enjoy or? Yeah, uh, definitely. My personal favorite mic in Chicago is the three dead moose mic at, uh, Will's Northwoods. That's every Sunday night. Okay. And it's really, really fun. Uh, it's hosted by Joe Fernandez it was a great comic, uh, like headliner here in, in Chicago. So it's really cool that there's an open mic hosted by somebody like that experience. So okay. that's, that's really cool. He does a great job, uh, with, uh, with the room. We get a lot of people there who are, um, just, you know, strangers that want to see comedy. It's in a separate room from the bar, which is like huge. So if people want to see comedy, they can go in the room and see it. Uh, they, you get free shitty, like UV blue, whatever they give you like a, 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 a bottle of like their worst liquor. And then he gives out free shots to these people. It's like the high school liquor or whatever, you know, that gross shit, yeah. that, like green apple Ciroc or whatever. Just disgusting. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, that one, that one's really fun. It's a great time. Great hang. Good way to meet a lot of people. Um, and it's like a Sunday night, so there's not, you know, a whole lot going on. The bar itself is amazing. I'm just, <laughs> I love this mic, dude. It's a great mic. Um, let's see what else. Uh, North Bar closed down, but that used to be a huge, um, like, hub for open mics. Yeah. That's where I, like, really got better. I got so much better at North Bar. Um, unfortunately, the building was sold, but I was running an open mic there. And then they had one on, they had a mic on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, man. I think it was Friday. and I think that, like, literally every fucking day you could go do a mic there. And it was, like, this uh, kind of similar to that Harrigan's uh, mic I was telling you about. Yeah. It was just dead. Um, and people were talking, and you, like, really had to earn a laugh. 
And to me, those are the mics that I love the most because they're, they're really challenging. Um, you get a lot out of them. Um, let's see. Lincoln Lodge has a bunch of mics now. Yeah, I see um, Lincoln Lodge a lot. I see it. Lincoln Lodge is a big one. That's that's probably your best bet if you want to meet a lot of people in the scene, because uh, there's like this big bar like hangout area, and a lot yeah. of people hang out there. Jason Melton's recording a special there, isn't he? Uh, he's recording it at the VFW. Okay, so that's funny. I was actually there last night. I was at the VFW. There's uh, this mic called Power Hour. Okay, I've that's that. very that's very fun. Um, I'd also encourage people if they're visiting to do that mic because that's that's a great time. That's when's that? Uh, it is uh, Friday nights. Okay. Um, I think it started yesterday at like eight or eight thirty, uh, something like that. But the idea behind that is there's a drinker and he just gets fucked up the whole time and you, like basically heckles you. And it will like interrupt you and just kind of mess with you and give you a hard time. And people <laughs> in the crowd are supposed to do that too. Um, but they only really do it if like you deserve it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you're doing well, but th- th- that's just the vibe. It's just like fun. You're in this uh, like dark basement in yeah. the VFW with like this, all the, they have like a snake, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like, cage i guess yeah. they have like snakes and all this shit it's Dude, just, that's it's such a unique idea two dollar bike two dollar pbrs like it's so much fun um yeah like all the all the really creative um mics are 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 a lot of fun and then at the end of that uh the drinker does a set and by then he's like just out, yeah just out of it and yesterday was paul miller <laughs> I don't know if you know who that is, but he's so funny. All his his material is just like fast food. Like he'll just yeah, talk yeah. about fast food for like half an hour. Yeah, I ran so into funny. him at uh, at Beer Belly. Yeah, yep. so he's the host of Beer yep. Belly, uh, which used that used to be at North Bar, and that moved to Pony Inn. Yep, uh, that's a really good one. Kind of, it kind of carried that North Bar vibe over where you have to like earn the laughs. Uh, that's on Thursday nights. That's a good one. Uh, Shuba's is on Thursday nights just down the street, and that happens before. Okay. So a lot of times you can hit Shuba's, uh, which will um, have like more of an actual crowd. Yeah. And they do a bucket draw, so it's completely random, um, and you can do time there and then go over to Pony Inn. That's a good Thursday night. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is good. Um I know Comedy Bar has a bunch of mics now. Yeah. Um, if you want to get in front of like a real audience at a club, yeah, you can I frequent do that. I frequent Dubuque Comedy Bar quite a bit. It's probably just because there isn't a lot of audience anymore in Davenport. I'll make like that hour trip up to Dubuque. It's not that big. And mm-hmm. You get to do comedy in what feels like a real comedy club. And there's normally an audience there. Dubuque fucks with me, so nice. I yeah, that's sweet. Them. Um, and then also just in general, you can check out the Chicago dot open mics page on Instagram. Okay. They post on their story. They'll post everything happening that specific day. So, um, sometimes you see new mics pop up and whatnot. Um, but I'd say those are the ones I go to a lot. I'm trying to think what else is, is fun. Um, uh, there's trigger warning on Monday nights. That's kind of similar to Power Hour, where you get heckled. 
Um, but at this one, they'll play like sound bites of shit. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. And, and that, that one's difficult for sure. That's at Tin Lizzy. Um, and it's fun. It really depends on what you're trying to work on. Like you can go to places like power hour and, uh, um, trigger warning and just build kind of stage presence and holding, holding your own. Yeah. And then you can go to a place like Shuba's or, or comedy bar and get in front of like a real audience, or you can, you know, a lot of the mics at Lincoln Lodge are, are comics. So you're like, okay, does this make comics laugh? Yeah. Um, so there's so many just different options and, and it's important, I think, to like work out material in all of them just so you know that it works in different places and not a problem I had when I was only going to North Bar is I learned how to write jokes for the North Bar crowd and then I'd go to, you know, Shuba's and people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because I was just saying crazy, you know, whatever. Yeah. So you got to you got to work stuff out. Yeah, that's uh, dude, that's super cool that's a concept that i've never really considered having mics that kind of work a specific muscle mm-hmm. yeah that's i wish that we had something like that like that power hour like that trigger warning that's such an invaluable tool to be able to work with yeah and, and it's, it's so fun, cool dude. they made it as part of the mic it's yeah. just like a good hang and everything um the hang's you, the best part just don't take it like too seriously i found like you're just there to have fun and work on a skill and not have like a good set necessarily. And that's, that's kind of helped me, um, kind of a, approach it different and not feel as bad when I like shit the bed, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, some of the, I, I think we have a, a, like, uh, what is it called? Like bull, bull bits or like eight bit. Um, I don't know. There's some like riff mics where like you just pull suggestions out. Uh, not, I don't know if that still exists but it was like ideas from a hat and you pull it out and you just like talk about the topic so just definitely there's ways to be creative with the mic where it's not just a bunch of sad people in a bar yeah just not listening to each other <laughs> yeah that's super cool okay so let's talk uh let's talk chicago etiquette then so if somebody were traveling into this area they'd been doing mics and whatever their territory is is there a handbook for how they should not uh, fucking humiliate themselves here? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think um, I think something Chicago comics don't like is when people come into the scene like visiting or just like doing a show and like think they're hot shit. Okay, uh, because odds are they're not. Like we, I'd say we definitely hate LA comics. <laughs> uh, just, I don't know. There's just a thing where it's like, you know, they come in and think they're really good and then they bomb on the show and they got on the show because they have like 40 million TikTok followers or whatever. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's kind of different. Um, you're asking more about like, uh, somebody in like the Midwest visiting, like what they shouldn't do. Um, I don't know. I, th I don't know. I'll talk about what you should do. Um, just like introduce yourself to the host, um, introduce yourself, meet people, like don't be an asshole, uh, be friendly. Um, chances are you're not going to have the best set in the world. Um, 
especially compared to like some other comics in Chicago that have been doing it a while. But it doesn't matter. Just like uh, introduce yourself, be nice. I don't know. Show show that you like actually care. I think I think Chicago comics like care a lot, a lot about comedy. And if they can tell that you give a shit, they'll give you the time of day. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of what I was trying to get at with uh, some of the like L.A. people and people who visit. It's like, oh, I'm here just to, you know, do this. I don't actually like care about like the craft of comedy or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, same supplies for life. Just like don't be an asshole and be friendly and just tell people how excited you are to be there and how you're visiting from wherever you're visiting from and then dude like the fact you fucking drove what was it five hours to three do, three hours three hours to oh. sit in my dining like that's great like i appreciate it so much yeah uh, no i appreciate i appreciate nice. having you on man it's funny you say that um i so when i did beer belly um i'd known jason melton for a while and kind of interacted with him and mm-hmm. followed him and stuff and i i knew that i wanted to make some time pencil some time out to make it down to do a mic in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd been doing really, really well. I was on a hot streak in you know, the quad cities and Dubuque and Cedar Rapids. And so I wanted to, I'd felt confident enough that I, I wanted to be like, all right, like let's actually, let's test ourselves a little Mm -hmm. bit is what it was for me. Um, let's make sure that I wasn't falling into that trap of learning how to tell jokes in front of one type of person. Uh, and so I, I came down here, I got here early and one of my friends, uh, lives in town. I'm like, Hey man, like you should swing by. And we all have that friend that's our friend, you know, Mm -hmm. but objectively speaking, um, is a douchebag. <laughs> he brought some douchebag. Um, you know, you're like, you're like, this is, I've known him for this long, you know, all the qualities that suck about this person. It became endearing to me because of, yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, stop by. And when I tell you, I regretted it instantly, man. <laughs> Every time he opened his, cause at this point, nobody I, remembers though, it, man. That's at this fine. point, I've gotten good at, at navigating my interactions with other comics. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm pretty easy to talk to. I'm laid back. I'm, I'm relaxed, you know? Um, and I was so excited to be here just doing a mic, you know, and so excited to kind of like make connections with people in this area that I just remember like the whole time he was there. I'm just like, I fucking wish you were somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe in the moment, but nobody, nobody's going to fucking, remember that uh also don't be a creep that's a big one yeah don't people will remember that if you're fucking weirdo uh to women and and i I guess guys too i don't know don't yeah don't be a creep um yeah um that's pretty much all my open mic advice great advice i think uh i think my friends will gather a lot from that We've gotten like a shocking number of like listeners from like weird locations in this podcast. It really kind of developed into something that I didn't expect it to, which is cool. I mean, I love it. Yeah, but, that's uh, great. Um, so what's the future of the comedy gazelle look like, man? Yeah. Um, 
I just realized we've, been, we've hardly we've talked more about just comedy in general than these things happen. Yeah. Um, let's see. We're talking about my open mic experience. Uh, let's see. Um, the future of the comedy gazelle. That's a good question. Um, I don't. I've been thinking a lot about it. Uh, somebody. Oh, since I've started it, people have suggested that I convert it to a podcast. Okay. I've hesitated to do that because I really like the written aspect of it. And the fact that it was a magazine is kind of what got it on people's radar to begin with. Yeah. The zine, um, the zine feel to it's, it's cool. Like I, yeah, I would hate to lose that. Yeah. So I, I, I want to keep it as a magazine, but it's hard because when you're doing something like that, you I want to fill more pages with it, um, but I again I just don't have the time. I really wish that it was a more like a bigger community thing that people wanted to contribute to, and then it was like this is Chicago comedy October, and it was like people reporting on um, you know gossip in the scene, people like writing humor pieces. Uh, when I first started it, I put together like a crossword puzzle that was based on people's like jokes and stuff. Like I think that was really cool, and that's what I'd like to do. But I just, you know, between my actual job, comedy, and the magazine, yeah. and my own life, like there's there's just a lot. Um, so I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure that out. Um, I liked when we ran a show. Uh, might bring that back. That was cool. Um, try. I don't know. Just gonna keep doing. It. I think I'll always do it. Uh, it's at least the interview portion, and and hopefully Tom Ryan. Shout out Tom Ryan continues to do the covers for us. Yeah. Uh, that's that's always cool seeing how. Um, what the hell was that? Oh, it's raining. How he uh, uh, puts together, like, his representation of people. He's amazing. He's, like, a literal caricature artist. Yeah. They're, doing yeah, our the cover. It's the covers incredible. are fantastic. I, I couldn't ask for a more, like, perfect person to do our cover. He's not only a caricature artist, but he's a Chicago comedian and, a, like, a really fucking good one at that. Uh, just, like, the nicest guy, super easy to work with. Um, so hopefully can continue working with him. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I think sharing the quotes helps a lot of people. Um, I, I think at some point I'd like to compile a lot of advice and release kind of like a book like that. Yeah. Um, that's you know Judd Apatow released one of those, a couple of those now, like just interviews from from comedians, uh, just like a compilation, and that's kind of what. Um, books like that are, are what got me into doing this. Um, so I'd like to maybe do one of those down the road. And I think it's interesting because maybe, you know, in 20 years, I, I had an interview with somebody when they were first starting and now they're this massive comic. So I think that's really interesting is that I'm getting interviews with people who I think are really, really funny. And then maybe down the road, like their career takes off and it's like, Oh, look at this. Look at them struggling in the, like Chicago yeah. scene, like yeah. it's, it's interesting. So I think a lot of it is kind of like longer term stuff. Um, I wish I could do more to, 
I don't know. What would you like to see? What what would you want to see in the future of the Comedy Gazelle? Oh man. Um, or any listeners, DM me. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely check out the Comedy Gazelle. Make sure to link it and stuff when I post this. Um, I, yeah, I just uh, I love it, dude. I love the question and answer format that you have going on. Uh, I love the look of it, the kind of feel of it. It does. It just. I don't know if I can really put into words what makes it so cool. But I remember as soon as I saw it, I'm like, Oh, this is something real, real cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's cool that it's artist ran. Do you feel like fortunate or to like have like some of the guests that like you get on there? Does it like, do you have those moments where you're just like, I can't, yeah, no, uh, for sure, all the time. Um, especially when I got, like, Sam Morrell. He was literally filming his special that weekend, and before the show, we talked on Zoom for, like, a couple hours or something. That's so cool. Um, and I was like, whoa, this is this is crazy. And I got... Uh, I Shout out to James Webb, the, who directed his special. So James kind of hooked me up with that interview because James was the first person I ever interviewed for the comedy gazelle. He was issue number one. Um, and when I met him, he was the sound guy at comedy bar. Okay. And then now he's directing a Netflix special or directed a Netflix special. Um, that was very well done and amazing. And then, um, yeah, I got to talk to Sam. That was, that was really crazy. Just a comic that you, really like look up to and yeah. is as big as he is. That was really cool. Um, and then just some of the local people where um, you're like, man, this guy is a killer, like, and you know, getting to meet them and, and talk to them when I, it's nice. Like I have access to a lot of Chicago comics because of the magazine. And I feel like without it, I wouldn't have been able to meet them and get to know them better and, and have all this, knowledge and whatnot so it's it's awesome yeah it is it is kind of that unique feeling that exists within comedy where you're in the same rooms with these people and if you're frequenting enough mics or if you're consuming comedy frequently enough you'll watch a lot of horrible horrible sets that you'll never get the time back for ever Mm -hmm. it's just moments of your life that are gone forever but every now and again, you'll have that moment where you watch somebody perform a set and you're like, oh, like I'm watching greatness right now. Yeah, yeah. The, the world will likely probably never know this person's name, but you see people that you're like, oh, they could just as easily be on Netflix. Yeah, like, they, yeah. like this is this is a local talent and they just didn't happen to have all of the right things line up all the external factors that have to come into play to be a household name right but you see those moments it's like this is crazy it's crazy that i can this is just a person you know it's like watching your elementary school teacher buy groceries you're like this doesn't <laughs> seem like it's real life yeah but and uh it, it's especially cool because um those people have so much knowledge like they're really fucking good um 
but yeah, this, they're just kind of you know killing in obscurity or whatever, and then uh, you get to you know talk to them and, and learn some things uh, about comedy that you can apply to you know your own stuff, which is which is great. And also, uh, what I like about the magazine is that I can ask those questions in a proper context. I remember before I was like always asking questions and sometimes would like annoy people a little bit because it's like, who the hell is this guy? Like asking me all these fucking questions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, I was curious. Like, that's just who I am. Um, but you know, when you actually are like, Oh, I'm doing an interview with you. You're going to get a cover. We're going to print it. It's going to, uh, be shared to like this big audience in Chicago. You're going to help all these comics. They're like, Oh, okay. I'll answer your question. Yeah. Um, so I think just having the right context was good. I uh, definitely did not enjoy the days of being that guy. Like, hey, will you give me advice? They're like, who the fuck are you? And it's, they just like brush you off kind of. Yeah, man, it's such an awkward sort of exchange. I've had this conversation at length like a number of times. It's weird. It's weird like as a man being in situations where you have to express admiration to any degree towards another person. <laughs> it's such an awkward, like weird sort of feeling to be like, I look up to you and it's like, yeah. you're an adult man. Yeah, with like a... <laughs> yeah. Imagine standing outside of Zany's with a Lucy K poster. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Wait. That's what I was thinking about the whole <laughs> time. So fucking, uh, so embarrassing, but it was cool. It's on my wall. You see that right there? Hell yeah. It's a beautiful poster. Yeah. Right next to my Michael Richards. <laughs> that aged well. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, dude, I have a joke about it. I have uh, I have this like wall of shame now in my uh, in my living room. I I think it's behind you. I have an OJ Simpson jersey that I bought. I don't know where it went, but Oh man. Yeah, I'm building it up. You guys have heard it here first. Uh don't give Jerry any merch if, <laughs> if you want things to work out for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me uh give me all that. But all right, man. So I normally close these episodes uh, with just any sort of words of advice on really any topic uh, to leave with the listener. Doesn't have to be anything in particular. Doesn't have to be comedy related. Just whatever you feel strongly about. Advice on anything. I think. Um, I think if you haven't done stand up before. I think it's something everybody should do at least once. Uh, try it. Uh, you'll gain so much respect for the people that are doing it because it's, it's so difficult. Um, and I also think you might find out that you really like it um, and it's not as intimidating as it is. I know some people uh, that have been afraid to do it for years and have always wanted to. And, dude, you go to you go to couple open mics and you see how bad some people are and you're like oh I could at least do better than that and you can so just do it and try it see if you enjoy it um, and if you do stick with it at least for a little bit um, and, and try to get better um, it's, it's a process it's very fun you can learn a lot about yourself it's very rewarding uh, I, I love stand up um, definitely give it a go. It doesn't have to be a career. It can just be a hobby, just something you do once. Um, definitely encourage people to try it out. And then if you're thinking about pursuing it as a career, 
something I've always thought about is this Jim Carrey quote. He says that um, uh, his his um, his dad uh, was like a very funny person, um, but he took a safe job as like a lawyer and was laid off from that. Um, so a lesson he learned from his dad was if you uh, you can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well take a shot at doing what you love. And I think about that a lot. Uh, stand-up is what I love, and it's like, well, do I want to have some safe bullshit job that I hate for the rest of my life, or do I want to take a risk and, and pursue something that I'm passionate about? So um, I think about that, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's my advice. Yeah, <laughs> Listen man, that, to Jim Carrey. <laughs> that resonated with me. Uh, so heavily i couldn't say it any better myself if there's anything in this world that you feel like you should be doing you owe it to yourself to at least explore that thing just yeah, like you, you said with that yeah. jim carrey quote if there's anything the last couple years have taught us it's that you can make all of the right safe decisions your entire life and still end up on your ass because of it you can mm -hmm. still end up losing everything so if whatever you're doing right now isn't igniting some sort of passion inside of you, figure out how to get the ground floor of something. Experiment with it. You know, maybe it doesn't pan out, but I feel like we all owe it to ourselves. Or to be a thing. loser. Yeah, yeah. Or be a fucking nerd. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> pussy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right man thank you so much for being on i appreciate it so much yeah, right. comedy gazelle is great hell yeah thanks thanks for having me we did it uh thanks for listening to slice of life i'll see you guys next week <laughs>